0: Customer relationships are hugely valuable assets for banks, and that makes them a potentially lucrative target for fintechs and other competitors. Cheryl Kioti from Abbey and industry consultant Jim Griffin are here to talk about how to create personalized banking experiences to strengthen customer relationships and push back on the would-be poachers. Actionable insights can help power smart decisions Each week, the BAI Banking Strategies podcast focuses on important issues facing financial services leaders, as well as the emerging trends that are rapidly reshaping the financial industry. I'm Terry Badger, your host and the Managing Editor at BAI. Pull up a chair and join us. Bank relationships with their customers are being disrupted by fintechs, by tech giants, and also by other banks trying to gain market share. Offering personalized experiences is seen as a way to tighten existing relationships while fending off those outside threats. Here to get into the details of effective personalization are Cheryl Kiyote, who is Solution Marketing Manager at the digital intelligence company Abbey, and Jim Griffin, who heads his own change management consulting firm, JFG Consult. Cheryl and Jim, appreciate you both making time to join us.
1: Thanks for having us. I'm really looking forward to the discussion today.
0: We're here to talk about how banks can stand out, how they can differentiate themselves with their customers and their would be customers, and in doing so, how they can grow and thrive. So to set up that conversation, let's start with a little on how you both see the current state of innovation in the banking industry and how effective that innovating at the bank level might be in terms of creating the desired differentiation.
2: At a basic level, innovation is about doing something new, right? It's about doing something that's intended to lower the cost of capital, to promote greater efficiency, to facilitate simpler consumption and investment decisions, and really drive benefits. But it's got to be done with the customer at the center of whatever innovation is going on, thinking about it from the customer's perspective. I think more and more today, it's really got to be around things that are sustainable And shifting that focus away from products to people. And I think more and more today, we're seeing people with more of an environmental and a social governance perspective, really thinking about ways that we can use financial services in new ways and innovate in ways that really touch customers where they are. I think we've seen this with Bank of the West providing a card that provides points back if you're making purchases that are greener and things like that. So I think there's a lot of ways to innovate and those ways are changing, but at its core, it's really, really about doing things that are gonna make a difference in the lives of our customers and ultimately doing something new that will help the bank to reduce cost of capital and really gain efficiencies.
0: When I listen to people discussing macro trends within retail banking, probably the most common theme that comes up is personalization. That is the the need to provide an experience tailored to the specific needs of each customer. So how are you thinking about personalization in the context of innovation? And how are banks doing with that? I
1: think of personalization as, you know, really looking at customers in terms of almost micro segments that banks need to get down to and look at. And then look at those segments and look at the specific customer journeys that these customers are traveling along. And from that, those customer journeys then provide you with where you wanna focus. Don't start with products, start with the journey first, because the journey leads you to the products, the journey leads you to the services, and that then guides your personalization strategy around all of that. So then the other point about what I would say is that it's gonna take new capabilities and some new tools, both within your staff, within your partners, and from a technology standpoint. One thing we often overlook though, is we have existing capabilities already that are underutilized. So as you think through your personalization strategy, consider looking at your existing capabilities before you you go out and buy new ones. My final point would be is that it, it really should start with a, the top of the house articulating that, you know, this is a, a strategic imperative for the organization and can't have 12 strategic imperatives. You, you need to have something less than five. And this needs to be led by a senior person who gets it and who is the high priority because it's going to involve the entire bank. It's not something that can be run out of the IT group or the product group requires all the different groups to participate in this in multiple cross-functional teams.
2: The customer journey isn't just about what's happening on the front end. To really look at the totality of the customer journey, you've got to look at your back office processes and understand where bottlenecks are happening. What's happening with your staff and your employees that's providing challenges to them as they try to serve your customers in these personalized ways? Are there things that are happening where you're blocking off data that's crucial to to being able to offer the right personalized products and services to your customers because there are issues going on at the back end. So I think really doing that full customer journey mapping that involves the back end and back office processes is really a critical part of providing the personalization that you're speaking about
1: here. Terry, you mentioned a second question here. How are banks doing at this? And my view is that the larger banks are really doing quite well. I think all of them Ninety percent of them have established frameworks, have initiatives in place, are going forward really quite well. It's those smaller regional community banks and credit unions who are struggling and I worry somewhat about because it's complicated. There's so many places to start, so many capabilities that if you're going to do it right. You need to have in place. It'll involve integration of, of your data across all your different platforms involves getting real-time capabilities. So there's a lot there for smaller banks to take on. And how to do that, you're going to have to look at partners and really you know, rethink some of your basic operating models in order to leverage this priority in the next few years.
0: Regardless of whether they're big banks or whether they're small banks, I'd imagine they are sitting out there, banks in general, they're watching Amazon, they're watching Google, they're watching fintechs and how they focus on the customer journey. And putting the customer first is obviously a key element of that. Yet, some of these banks are struggling to do that. Jim, why do you think that is? What's the rub? Part of it is that, well, banks, we live in an environment where we're highly regulated and we're
1: risk averse. And there's a lot that kind of combats that. To achieve that, we are functionally organized. And we oftentimes need to hit our functional organizational goals. And those become the priority and customer first or customer goals or customer values those become secondary we say the words the the top of the house will say you know customer first and so forth but when you're under a tremendous amount of pressure and we're all working 10-hour days we need to hit our oftentimes our organizational so i think that's a huge thing second piece i would say is that it requires truly a mind shift i think change is hard on all of us particularly when we're talking about a mind shift And so when we stop thinking in terms of how our internal processes are working and making those more efficient and effective, and then flip the page and say, okay, no, how do we create more value for our customers? That becomes my first question I wanna answer. When you begin to frame that around the journeys again and and so forth, try and turn it into something specific. We create tons of great metrics for our internal processes. But we really lack oftentimes in coming up with good metrics with our customers. Yeah, we do net promoter scores and we do customer satisfaction surveys, but we are not doing a a particularly great job in coming up with what I'll call process metrics or those smaller metrics that really can tell us that we're creating value for our customers.
2: I think those are great points and you couldn't be more spot on, Terry, that a lot of the large financial institutions are watching Amazon and Google and they're in awe of the way they've been able to create seamless, frictionless, beautiful customer experiences. And I think Jim raises a good point. It's got to be behavioral. It's got to be cultural throughout the organization. The top of the house has to mandate that it's not just lip service, but that we really make the customer first and really think about every decision from, you know, What's gonna bring the customer value?
0: This goal of personalization, of putting the customer first, this is being pursued alongside the goal of increasing digital banking to achieve scale, to cut costs and to really increase efficiencies. Having both of these major initiatives at the same time and there being some fundamental differences between them, Cheryl, does this work at cross purposes for banks trying to do it or does it perhaps create synergies?
2: I think there are a lot of synergies, Terry. I think that putting the customer first will always end up with a benefit for the bank you increase engagement, therefore you increase conversion rates. There's opportunities for cross-sell and upsell. We can't speak enough about the benefits of a loyal customer, someone who will recommend your financial institution to the people in their circle. So this idea of putting the customer first, it's definitely something that will have synergies with growing the bank and being able to achieve the initiatives from the top of the house, from the executive level, and really making sure that loyal customer, that ability to retain the customer, to improve customer loyalty, it will help deliver solutions to the customers even before they realize that there were problems there.
1: And this word synergies is right. I mean, I absolutely think there's synergies. If you think about, you know, you've got your prioritized journeys, that are mapped out or identified and you put teams working on them and they're cross-functional. And they start off by doing the customer journey. The next level down, they're gonna start saying, okay, where are the pain points? Where's the friction? And now you start looking into your internal processes. And there's technology out there called process mining that encourage people to look at and task mining to look at. That will really give you the historical data that can help you get actual customer behaviors To show how your processes are interacting with the customer touch points. What that would do is you can now see where they come together. They have a pain point, but we also have a process that has a bottleneck. We have extra steps that are potentially in there. When you bring those together, you can drive efficiencies at the same time you're driving more positive customer experiences.
0: When you think about the range of customer journeys in the financial space, which of them are the most important to personalize and to focus innovation efforts on to get that differentiation that you're looking for? And Cheryl, is there a particular order that should be followed?
2: I think it's gonna vary. The order that should be followed and the particular place to focus should really be driven by your customers. So understanding your customer base and really doing that deep due diligence around understanding who you're serving. So, you know, for instance, in this past year, during the pandemic and the challenges that we've had, understanding the small businesses that you're serving and what they need, and is there a focus that should be on small business lending in your particular financial institution? have mortgage rates gone to such a place where there's a an extreme volume of refinance and, and you need to focus there and ensure that there's reduced friction in that process. So I think about there are such a range of customer journeys because there are such a range of customers that you're serving. So really identifying who's key in your customer base and what are their needs. Again, taking the cue from the customer so that the customer is dictating what problems you're solving for them, and then really making sure that that's personalized and that you start to put intelligence around that. So if it is around a refinance or a mortgage loan, putting in the time to do the research that your customers are going to be concerned with, crime rates and the level of schools, and are there parks and recreation facilities in the area where I'm looking to purchase a home? So if financial institution can really start to round out the data and think about me as a as an entire human along the journey, and not just someone who's looking to, to buy a mortgage product, but someone who's really making a life-changing decision about home purchase and really start to encompass everything that that will mean, for me as a person and address that from a a personalization perspective, I think that's exactly where financial institutions need to focus their innovation
0: efforts. On this personalization journey, this customer first journey, is there essentially one path or just a few basic paths for banks to follow? Or does each financial institution, are they going to have to carve out their own unique path based on their culture? Or does the culture shift to meet the personalization imperative? Jim, how do you envision all that working out?
1: My view is there's something basic or foundational that everybody needs to to have in place before you go to the next level. Your good feature functionality, if you've got a hole there, or you need to improve something like that, that, that's a must have. Good service quality, good operational processes, and then the key, you know, integration of data. So I'd say everybody should get those things, the foundations in place. And then the next level is, Then you can get on to data-driven insights, and that's going to require the machine learning, the AI, and so forth. And then where we're going with all of this is through the open technology, the open APIs, open data models. And then finally, I'll just say a much greater focus on user experience and bringing in design thinking. Those are just going to be so key to how and what will drive the innovation
0: going forward. Competitively speaking, one of the advantages enjoyed by neobanks, challenger banks, and fintechs is that they are not burdened by legacy systems in the way that so many of the incumbent banks are. How much of an impediment is this older technology and the resulting data silos that are part of that? How much of an impediment is this when it comes to trying to connect better with customers and to strengthen that important relationship, Cheryl?
2: We talk a lot about the legacy systems. We're not going to be able to find people who know COBOL (laughs) anymore, right? People are going to school for that. So I do think this is going to continue to be an issue, and there's only so long that we can put Band-Aids on the problem. But there are a lot of platform technologies that allow you to kind of build on top of different systems so that you can get vision into the systems and start to break down those silos. The ability to really connect across the data silos, I think is going to be hugely important for these incumbents to compete with the challenger banks. Many of the incumbents that you're referring to, I think, were grown out of mergers and acquisitions, and they came together with disparate systems, which has made a lot of this quite difficult and makes it challenging to connect with the customers and get that true kind of personalized experience going
1: and then the other piece is the even the legacy systems, the later generations of legacy systems, anyway, they have capabilities in there. They have configuration capabilities in there, and it goes back to my statement that we sometimes forget to utilize what already exists. So look inside and say, can I do some configuration, which is a heck of a lot easier to do than doing some whole new? product or some major system integration, a type of activity. It's the capabilities are oftentimes there. We just overlook them because we're so, so busy with everything else going on.
0: Of course, the stronger the relationship and the trust, the, the greater the likelihood that the customer will open up to sharing more data. And this can make the relationship even more personalized. Jim, you've mentioned data, you've mentioned data processes a number of times in our conversation. What are the challenges here in terms of keeping data secure? and teasing out the valuable insights from that vast amount of customer data that they already have on hand? And while banks have a lot of data, do they necessarily have the right data to truly create the personalized experiences for their customers?
1: So great question. And it's a a hard question. It's a critical question because data security and privacy needs to be at the top of the house. One of the strategic imperatives that are worked on and addressed and the bad guys are, you know, advancing their capabilities all the time and the good guys need to really have great defenses against all that stuff. I really think of many times that I worry again, again, with the smaller organizations being able to s- provide the resources to do all of this. So coming up with good partnerships and leaning on your partners, real critical there. How you authorize people real clearly, whether it's face recognition, you know, the, all the thumbprints, that's going to continue to evolve. And then it's going to go back to, I'll say, the behavioral analytics, because if you're observing and recording how your customers are interacting with you, you can see interactions that may be suspicious, and through pulling in that data, applying machine learning and AI You can detect these things ahead of time and potentially block some of those things. I mean, this is a really hard problem, and I think it needs to be right up there at the top of the house.
2: You mentioned the word trust, Terry, and I think that's a critical word here in this question is that it really is all about trust. I think the past year with the challenges that we had around the pandemic, that financial institutions really had an opportunity to gain the trust of their customers. As opposed to the crisis of 2008, where the financial institutions were really seen as the bad guy and the cause of the troubles, now we had an opportunity to really become a part of the solution, become a part of helping our customers navigate a very difficult time in their lives. So provide new financial tools, provide opportunities for learning for managing money in different ways, you know, for getting small business loans in the hands of those who needed it very quickly. So trust is critical here. And I think there are challenges. So really understanding that the customer's well-being is in the top priority and that if an issue does happen, that the financial institution is behind them and will make sure they do whatever they can to rectify the problem.
0: Yeah, for banks, this may be an advantageous time to make a move if they're going to make a move to keep that focus on the customer and by an extension on the relationship. So Cheryl Chiodi from Abbey, thanks again for joining us on the BAI Banking Strategies podcast and Jim Griffin from JFG Consult. Thank you as well.
2: Great to be here. Thanks, Terry.
0: Yeah, brilliant. So good to be with you, Terry. A few takeaways from our conversation about personalized banking with Cheryl Chiodi and Jim Griffin. First, there's a lot of talk about personalization in banking these days, but how to turn talk into action. The first bit of advice Cheryl and Jim offer is to resist the urge to make it all about products and services. Start by focusing on the customer's journey. This requires changing the perspective from what's good for the bank to what creates more value for the customer. To effectively make that shift, banks and credit unions would likely have to pair a new way of thinking with new operational capabilities. But not everything would necessarily have to be new. Financial institutions often have underutilized resources that could be leveraged to help implement a customer-first strategy. Before going shopping for new things, Cheryl and Jim say first figure out how to get more out of what's already in place. And finally, customer trust is an indispensable part of the personalization equation. Their view is that financial institutions were able to build up their reservoir of goodwill during the pandemic by being flexible and responding to short-term customer needs. The beneficial next step is building on those gains in trust by continuing to help customers via tools and guidance to ensure their longer term financial well being. Thank you for listening to the BAI Banking Strategies Podcast. I'm Terry Badger, Managing Editor at BAI. Please join us for our next conversation on a topic of importance to the financial services industry.